your weekend is not complete without the First Lady of New York Radio. It's the Joan Hamburg Show. Talk Radio 77 WABC. If it's Sunday and it's 2 o'clock, it's the Joan Hamburg Show. And we invite you to join us. The holidays are here and we are all celebrating. And the Rockettes, fully dressed, they're coming in live to entertain us, a great group. And it's amazing stories every time I talk to various Rockettes, how they got from small towns, big towns all over America and landed the dream, the fantasy, since they were little girls, many of them out of dancing schools. So it's a lot of fun. And we've got television personalities, a lot of things to entertain you. And I do hope you join because there's so much going on. The city is full of events. The New York Philharmonic has the best holiday programs. They have holiday brass. They do Handel's Messiah, things that you absolutely love. And those two alone are enough. They have Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets in concert. And they're all in the theater at David Geffen Hall. So you are absolutely going to enjoy that. And it's all stuff that we love. And we describe what's going on in this town. So you've got the Christmas Spectacular, which is always a treat for everyone. And you've got Broadway waiting for you. You name it. And the restaurants are all done up. Rockefeller Center, Never Look Better, the tree is gorgeous this year. So every year, right? It's a very happy time in New York City. And come in, I'll tell you my favorite time, although the traffic has been hideous, if you can take the train so you don't worry about parking, and you go like at dusk to see just as the lights become alive, that's the perfect time to see the tree at Rockefeller Center. And you can eat right around there. And then, I don't know about the rest of you, but during the pandemic and before and after, I almost never went into a department store. So I treated myself. I went into Bloomingdale's and Saks. It was so much fun. It was like a new adventure. And there are sales everywhere. So if you haven't done your shopping like most normal people, take advantage Look at the tree, go to Saks right there, and get yourself some great buys with a fabulous store. Bloomingdale's, too, full of goodies. I wanted almost everything. So this is the happy time of year that we all love, and I want you to take advantage and enjoy it. And whether it's the Philharmonic or whatever you can think of, it's all part of amazing things in the city. And then always join us at two o'clock every Sunday. We have great shows, things that are going to make you very happy and end up singing, dancing, do whatever you want to do. But we're going to get rolling. So hang in. I'm Joan Hamburg and you're listening to WAVC. The First Lady of New York Radio. This is Joan Eats. Now that the gorgeous tree is up and everyone wants to come and see it 
really. I mean, let's see. Let's go to the tree. And then we get, is there any place to eat near the tree that isn't going to really break the bank? So let me give you a couple of our thoughts. Maybe you haven't thought of these yet. Did you ever check out Bill's Bar and Burger? Right in Rockefeller Center, 16 West 51st Street. That's literally off Fifth Avenue, 212-705-8510. It's big, 400 seats. It's probably the biggest standalone burger joint in the country. Classic hamburgers, 975. They've got all kinds of things. A burger called the Fat Cat. And in fact, it got rated one of the top burgers a couple of years ago. And it's actually quite delicious. Caramelized onions, cheese, English muffin, lettuce, tomato, pickle. They have a happy hour. And for kids under 10, they have a children's menu. And that's burgers, hot dogs, tenders, grilled cheese with fries and a drink for 10 bucks. And they will take reservations over the phone, 212-705-8510. The American Girl Cafe is legendary, but it's a deal. And most little girls love to go to the American Girl with their American Girl dolls. It's only a few blocks to Rockefeller Plaza. They will take reservations. They have a price-fixed lunch. They have an afternoon tea, but it's a deal. Hard to get a reservation, AmericanGirl.com. Kids love Ellen Stardust Diner, 1650 Broadway. It's a 50s-themed diner, singing servers, American classics. Take the kids, they love it. And they serve breakfast, lunch, and dinner. The children's menu is 17 bucks. Cheeseburgers, fries, spaghetti, and butter. What heaven for children. Hot dogs. Mac and cheese, they don't take reservations. And my only objection is there's a wait to get in. But you know what? The parents are a little grumpy at waiting. The kids are happy as can be. So this is a really good choice. And the the tree is worth seeing. So lots of great things happening in the city. Come join me. Joan eats happily at any of these places and to see the glorious tree that is so much a part of America's Christmas holiday. The First Lady of New York Radio, Joan Hamburg. Entertaining and informative. Talk Radio 77 WABC. It's our annual tradition. And as many years as I've been doing this radio show, that's how many years the Rockettes have been part of it every holiday season. And when you think that out of, what, 3,000 women have been Rockettes over the years, what it takes to become a Rockette and to survive the training, which is huge. Today, we have with us Kathleen Latore. This is her sixth season as a Rockette. Jessica Moore, 10 years as a Rockette. And I'm just curious, Kathleen, what happened? Let's even though we talk about it every year, people still love these stories. Most Rockettes we've talked to have come out of dancing schools. Most of them, their mothers were the ones who were <laughs> running the dancing schools. What was your story? You were a kid taking dancing and loved it. 
Yes, so I started dance when I was three because I was a crazy, wiggly, energetic child. And my parents didn't realize that putting me in class introduced me to my passion and what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. But interesting enough, as I was growing up, I always admired the Rockettes so much, but I never saw myself being capable of doing it. So um, that kind of thought process I had until I went to college and one of my college professors was a rocket and swing for a long time. Really? And so was it a music college or? A- I went to Pace University um, and did their dance program. Uh-huh. And so my teacher, Lauren Gall, was a rocket for a long time. And so she ended up seeing something in me and kind of pushed me to start learning precision dance and until then I didn't realize that I was capable of doing it and I actually wasn't even going to go to the audition because I was out of state and the last minute I kind of made the decision to go my sweet dad drove me through the night to get to Radio City I didn't sleep and then I walked into the hall and ended up getting the job that year you're kidding (laughs) just like that okay and what about you Jessica Moore I grew up dancing in a small town in Nebraska and I always watched the Rockets perform on the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade with my family, and I always knew that was something I wanted to do. I went to a professional performing arts school in Oklahoma City, um, Oklahoma City University, and a lot of dancers who went there had become previous Rockets. I think I was something like the 45th Rocket to come out of <laughs> Oklahoma City University. Um, it was really just a dream come true for me. But, you know, when you think that, what, 300 3,000 have been Rockettes, right? What does it take? For, because I'm sure thousands more little girls all over had the dreams you have, you know, to be a Rockette. Once they see it, that's what they want to do. <laughs> so what was it, do you think, about the two of you that made fate point in your direction? I think it's just hard work and dedication. I mean, we yes, have to be <laughs> so preci- um, so precise in ballet, tap, and jazz, and just to keep going and never give up. I think that um, as Rockettes, we work so hard. We work together. I mean, we have to be strong enough to do up to four shows a day, 17 it's shows hard. a week, um, over and over. Hard. And also, people don't realize the rehearsal that goes into it. What, did I read six hours a day, yes. and that doesn't include night stuff? So we do, uh, we rehearse for six hours a day, six days Definitely. a week for about six weeks leading up to our show process. So it's a huge mental and physical challenge, but all of the women that dance with us are just so wonderful and we keep each other motivated and some of the most funny, wonderful people I get to dance with. I actually kick right next to Jessica <laughs> this year, so we have a great time. Yeah, and... Do you have time to do anything else or when the season is here, that's it? For me, I mainly, when the season is here, I'm in full Christmas mode for this Uh whole period of time. But outside of the season, I am a dancer in lots of other ways. Um, And I live full time in the city now, so I'm able to pursue that as well. So you can look at Broadway and look at anything. And is it the same for you, honey? I really look forward to just all my friends and family who have made this their holiday uh, tradition to come and see me. My whole family travels from Nebraska every year to come see me and the Christmas show. And it's sort of our holiday tradition. And the rehearsals, I couldn't believe. Is it really six hours a day? 
Yes, six hours a day. We have a lunch break in the middle there and little tiny breaks throughout, but it's a pretty rigorous schedule. We actually have a wonderful athletic training team that keep our bodies really in shape and doing well to sustain that long process. Hi, and Jessica, tell me, once you're in, are you in? <laughs> we do re-audition every year just to make sure that we're all in um, tip-top shape. So as long as you can continue to do the job, you can continue to be a Rockette. So there are Rockettes who are in their 20s, in their 30s. We have all ranges. We have women who have, um, you have to be at least 18. And we've had women on the line for 5, 10, 15, even 20 years and everywhere in between. Um, once you're a rocket, there's a saying that says you're always a rocket. Right. But <laughs> Kathleen was saying that this is like during the season, this is what she's devoted to. So is this your story too? Or once you get a break, you look at something else? During the season, this is absolutely what we're devoted to. Um, and in the off-season, we continue to take dance classes. We do other events in the off-season. Um, we teach Rockettes Conservatory classes, um, Rockettes 101, and we continue to train dancers um, in the off-season as well. Yeah, and I don't think people realize that there is a school mm -hmm. that a lot of Rockettes come out of. You know, is that yeah. true? And does the school look for the girls or the girls try to get into the school? So we have a new program called the Rockettes Conservatory Program. And this is actually a free of charge training program mm -hmm. that helps open the opportunity to dancers who normally wouldn't be able to afford to come to the city and train in this style because it is so specific. So it's a free of cost training. They learn Rockettes rep, our choreography that we do in the show. And they do a lot of physical training with our athletic trainers. Um, um, which provides a great opportunity. Uh, this year, we actually have 17 new Rockettes that came out of our Rockettes Conservatory program. And then do they replace 17 or not? <laughs> we always have um, women just naturally coming and going. Um, sometimes they book other jobs. They decide um, to retire and go on about their career, have a family, move out of the city. And what do you guys want to do? I personally love dancing with everything that I am, so I want to dance for as long as my joints allow. <laughs> right, and with dancers, it's hard. People don't realize the strain on the body. You know, they hear a ballet dancer maybe, but they don't get that it is a rigorous opportunity, full of joy but full of pain. <laughs> we do nine numbers in the show, so, so it's hard. really... A lot in the 90 minute num uh, ninety minute show. And when we're not on stage, we're running to our next change. So it's a nonstop <laughs> 90 minute experience for us. I bet, but what about the costume changes? Yeah, so we actually have our quickest changes between Parade of the Wooden Soldiers in New York at Christmas, where we have 78 seconds to completely take off everything we have and put on a whole new costume, including earrings and gloves. How do you do that? We actually have, so there's backstage. Like a dresser? There's Yes, there's a dresser per three rockets, and they help zip us up. We have coordination with our yeah. friends next to us, so it's like, you put on your dress first, I'll put on my shoes first, and we make it happen. <laughs> and during the rehearsal period, is it? do you ever say, I can't do this, my body is screaming? Because that's a lot, and six hours is not the total, it's, it's you know, part. 
It definitely is um, a lot of hard work, but I think it's really empowering to be surrounded by, you know, 36 other women on stage with you at the same time. And we sort of all get it, get through it together and really hold each other up when we feel maybe not the greatest. Um, and they really become your family and our sisterhood. These women, we spend so much time together. We spend all of our holiday seasons together. So it really becomes just a group effort and working together, a teamwork. And are there a lot of backstage Johnnies waiting at the stage door? (laughs) (laughs) We always love to meet people that come see our show, especially all of the young dancers and the little girls. Um, We have a new dance in the show, uh, a new reimagined dance called the Dance of the Frost Fairies, and they actually sell our fairy wings at the merchandise stand. So So to see all the little girls wearing the fairy wings is really, really exciting. And wanting to do it. Mm. So when you both got the job, that was only the beginning of this adventure, right? You Were you in New York when this happened? I had actually just finished dancing on a cruise ship, and I auditioned. How did you like that? I loved it, and I moved to New York, and I've been here ever since, and I love performing in the Christmas Spectacular. I want to do it as long as I can. Yeah, and probably long, right? <laughs> <laughs> you could, because as long as you're in shape, which means you don't really get time off. Right, you have to keep your body in shape and dance all the time. Yeah, we definitely have to take care of our bodies um, because the season is so condensed this year. It's only a limited run, so it's six weeks only. So six weeks, limited run. um, It's truly a tradition. And is New York home now, Kathleen? Yes, so I moved here in 2014 when I started school at Pace University. And ever since then. They have a good then, program, too. They, they do. And that's how I was exposed to precision dance, our style that we do in the show. And so I'm super grateful that I was able to have that opportunity. And I've lived here ever since. Right. So it feels like home? It definitely feels like home. And. Honestly, New York is really the place to be for the Christmas season. It's the holiday season for so many people. I love being in New York City for the Christmas season. And, you know, when I first started talking to Rockettes, that they were Rockettes and that was it. Now the company goes everywhere, right? Do you guys travel a lot with it or no time? For the Christmas season, we are here in New York doing our Till show. Till it's over. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. And so, and then when the Christmas season is over, which is what, January something, then what's the next step? Do you give yourself a break or you're ready we, to go? We definitely take a break and then we get right back to it. We stay into our trainings. Um, we stay into our classes. We do every opportunity that comes our way. We have a lot of women, our mothers in the off season, um, personal trainers, Pilates instructors, teachers, um, dance teachers in the off season. Um, we have a woman who's an accountant, um, <laughs> all sorts of different um, avenues. Right. And the, do people, everyone who's chosen, do they get through the rehearsal period? That's a lot of work. Yes, so the audition process being as rigorous as it is, they really can see, you know, can this dancer sustain such a long period of time? So everyone that comes into our line is really, really wonderful. So after you audition, how soon before you know if you've made the cut? So usually we have two auditions, one in April and one in August. And so you usually hear if you got the job toward the end of the summer. So depending on when you audition, sometimes it feels like a long wait, but it's definitely worth it. 
Right. And what about the Rockettes? Like, you guys live in New York. But what about the girls who don't? You know, where do they put all these people? New York is the toughest town in terms of living. I think everyone finds um, sublets and stuff for this season. A lot of women do live, live in the season all year round, though. So. Uh-huh. Well, we love our New York. It's mm -hmm. a great town, right? Have you seen the audiences change over the years? We have 6,000 seats in our theater, and you look up, we have three mezzanines, and just to look out from that stage and see the audience every day filled with so many people, that really motivates us and makes us so happy. So we're, we're really excited to have everyone. Right, and then all the, the little girls who just <laughs> dream of this. One of my favorite parts is seeing the joy on the audience's faces when we look out and they can see the magic because even though it's maybe our 100th show, it's somebody's first time seeing the show and just seeing all of the joy that it brings all of the audience members when they see the bus move, when they see the soldiers fall, when they see the Santas run through the aisle. Oh, they love it's, that. It's really <laughs> what keeps you going. They love that. And I'm sure you guys too. Mm -hmm. Because what a thrill. Every show is like a new show. Exactly. There's so much to see. Every time you come to see this uh, Christmas Spectacular, you see something new, especially now with the fairy drones um, and our new number, The Dance of the Frost Fairies. It's truly a fantastic visual to see these fairy drones dancing above the audience. We still have our classical numbers like the Living Nativity with the live animals. We have the Parade of the Wooden Soldiers. Um I know all the it's, fan it's all there. <laughs> it's all there. And I have gone to that show since I was seven or eight years oh, old. So, so you can imagine. And now I bring my family and it is never tired. You know, it's always new and always a thrill. And even the kids who can't dance like that, it's such a magical happening. You know, like all things are possible and we need that. That's part of New York City and it's part of the spirit that we have to keep going here. So you guys do more than just entertain and dance. You sort of hold it together <laughs> and assure everyone impossible things happen. Exactly. And you're going to keep on. I'm so happy that we had a Kathleen Latoury, Jessica Moore, and both women live here now, but weren't here and are part of the Rockettes. So most Rockettes, after a certain amount of years, go off to something else or they're happy just doing that? I think for so many of us, this was a lifelong dream and it's finally coming true. And I think that I'm so proud to say that I love what I do every day and I just feel so much joy for... Um, being able to do this and do what I love and dance with everybody um, who also loves what they do and just bring so many people joy in this holiday season. It, does, it must be very reducing too, right? To work like that and dance like that. Do you have time to eat? Yes, we definitely have our snacks and our meals in between shows to keep us going. We all have our favorite treats that we bring each other and spend time with each other in our dressing room in between shows and we have a great time. Well, because of you guys, we have a great time. Thank you so much for visiting. And you can all go see the Christmas Spectacular, the Rockettes at Radio City. It's a New York tradition. You're never too old. And the truth is, 
I used to watch people bring their babies and think, are they crazy? But <laughs> the babies are like, your baby doesn't sleep, you take the baby. She'll be totally entertained by the Rockettes. <laughs> it's part of New York magic. Thank you, Kathleen Latoury, Jessica Moore. We love having you here and wishing you many, many more joyous holiday seasons. Thanks so much for having us. Make sure you get your tickets at uh, com or stop by the Radio City box office. We're running now until January 2nd. Enjoy every bit of it. I'm Joan Hamburg, and you're listening to WAVC celebrating one of our New York traditions, Radio City's Rockettes. More ahead. The First Lady of New York Radio, Joan Hamburg. Entertaining and informative. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Welcome to the Joan Hamburg Show. And I'm going to introduce you today to Jessica Vost, who is a very good, known actress who's going to do a wonderful concert at Carnegie Hall performing Get Happy, a Judy Garland centennial celebration. And that's on December 12th. And Garland, who I read would have been 100 this year, made her Carnegie Hall debut after nearly four decades in her career. And when you look into Carnegie Hall history, this is a major, major part of it. And Jessica's going to do something quite fabulous, in fact, very soon at Carnegie. But Jessica Vosk has an interesting path because... She went to school, always could sing and do fabulous things, but did something that made a parent's heart beat fast. She decided that she was going to study finance and investments and lots of things that people like to hear because if you're a parent, you get nervous when your kid says, I'm going to be an actor, an actress, I'm going to sing, I'm going to dance. You'd much rather hear them say, I'm going to watch people invest, tell them how to do it. I'm going to have a different career. And I'm sure Jessica, having watched their daughter grow up with a lot of talent, performing all the classics and everything great, that when you told them you were going to go into the financial business, they were very happy. Oh, yes. I think, I think like you said, any parent who hears that there's going to be a path that, that seems to be a, a successful one where you're going to be taken care of and getting that weekly paycheck and all those benefits is kind of like a, a big two thumbs up versus, versus the unknown. So right. you're absolutely right. Right. And even though you, you had major roles, you were Alphabet and Wicked on Broadway, Joseph, and I've, I've seen you in all of them, Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, Fiddler, yeah. Finding Neverland, The Bridges of Madison County, a really successful career. But it's still showbiz, which isn't as solid as finance. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're, you're always taking a risk. It's kind of you know, the things that I learned, you know, subsequently, I always say, if I never, if I never came to Broadway by way of finance, I wouldn't be where I am right now because it is show business. So business is something that I understand quite well from, from being in the financial sector. And, you know, you just sort of, you kind of get read the riot act in a lot of ways because you have to, 
be on the pulse of of the market all the time. And right. you sort of learn how to smartly and wisely save or invest or, you know, uh, take meetings with large clients. And I learned a ton about business that I still use in in show business. But like you said, you know, it's a there are years where you're waiting to see what's next. And then there are years that are packed chock full of work and you have to hold on to those moments and sort of use them uh, to the best of your ability. But it is really, it is really hard. No, I'm sure it's very hard. And even though you've had so much success, but it's a real chance and you took it. I mean, you, you were doing very well in the money world. And I'm sure that, as you said, being in that world also proved helpful for the next jump. But it was very hard because my own kid is in in this business. And I remember when he was going to do something solid like you were going to do in the money world. And I was so happy. Not that I don't love the (laughs) entertainment world, but it's erratic and not as safe. So I get it. and But there you were, very well in money, but you weren't happy. I mean, yeah, yeah. It, it's one of those things where, where it started to manifest itself physically. And, you know, as, med, as many times as you can hear doctors tell you the, the, those lovely two words, stress kills, you don't really believe it until you're faced with dealing with a stressful situation or you find yourself like I was in a career that I, that I just wasn't passionate about. And I think I could have stuck with it and, and stayed with it. But I think it would have been a world of problems for mental health and, you know, for all of these things that we don't necessarily, you know, look at first or talk about first, it would have been kind of detrimental. So, you know, the leap of faith that I took, you know, was also when I was almost 30 years old, which is kind of late in the game for Broadway. And, uh, you know, that, that was a, it was just, it was tricky and, you know, I hustled until I couldn't hustle anymore. I still do because it's that's you have just, uh, to. It's the nature that's, of that's the beast. The nature of the biz. Yes, absolutely right. And so you have to sort of have that gritty, uh, you know, hustler mentality in an authentic way to kind of hang on in those times where it feels, you know, kind of the, the what's next of it all. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but it was because you started as a kid and you really were doing all right, when you went into the money world, which you actually studied in school, you you said, I killed the creative parts of me. I left it behind, the practice, the singing. Everything was gone. And then you started getting panic attacks. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I think sometimes when you, and I can only speak from experience, when when I decided to not sing anymore. I didn't see any shows. I wouldn't go to any concerts. I wouldn't open up my creative brain to see the things that people were doing because I wanted to do them myself. And I think it was a subconscious way of me kind of stuffing everything as far down as possible to not have to come to grips with the fact that I wasn't doing the thing that I loved the most. And, and I think that's why physically I started to have anxiety and I started to get panic attacks and I had no idea what they were. And it was, you know, at a time when I kept thriving in the corporate world and getting mm. promoted and, you know, new assignments and traveling. And it just, all of that still meant more anxiety. So that's kind of when the, when the red flag went up 
the SOS um, in my own brain when I knew I had to do something about it. So I'm just curious, the money business, which you were doing incredibly well, how long did you stay in that or how long was it before you left and went into your passion? Um, I, I actually went into my, that job uh, in a finance firm in Midtown Manhattan. I started that job before I even graduated college. So uh, I remember having to take off work on a Friday to go walk in my graduation ceremony out mm-hmm. in New Jersey um, <laughs> to go do that and then head back to the office. Oh. And uh, I was at that job for about three years. Um, and then we had that great market crash of 08. Right. Uh, the real estate market took a tumble and all the big banks closed. And uh, I took that as my opportunity to uh, cleverly get laid off uh, uh-huh. so I could collect some unemployment and try and, and do your what you, know, you loved, do what I loved. And and uh, the firm was very kind to me. And I subsequently still did some, you know, offsite work for them because I, I'm, I'm a big believer in not burning any bridges. And, right. you know, still to this day, I've, I've kept in touch with those colleagues and they were a huge part of, of you know, why I think I felt safe enough to, to do leave it. and do what it is that I love. But, but you know, but with a lot of trepidation and, and a lot of, you know, crossing of fingers and saying, oh God, I hope I didn't make the wrong decision. Right, and working so hard to get hooked up because you weren't doing that and it took a couple of years or more. Oh, sure. After sure the money did. world, right, to to oh, make yeah. a Broadway debut. But you actually did in the bridges of Madison County. And that had to be even harder than getting a money job, a financial job. Oh, it's, it's, it is probably the hardest thing. I always say, people say to me now, what's the thing that you wish that, you know, people knew about your story the most? And I always say, I wish that they could have seen every morning at 6 a.m., waking up, not having an agent, going down to the equity building, going to an audition, hoping that you'll get seen nine times out of 10, you don't get seen. Mm -hmm. And then there's that one time, you know, where somebody happens to remember you or they give you a phone call and, and it's, you know, it's luck. It's showing up, but it is also luck and everything, everything has to line up properly. And it was, I, I couldn't believe that it happened. You know, once that one door opens, it's your job to run through it to the best of your ability. And you know, and that's what I did. But you didn't give up either, which is, you know, the I've even have friends, families who are actors, and I've heard them at different stages say, well, I'm going to give this blank years and then I'm going. I'm not going to do it anymore or, you know, hang out and not get picked. So you chose a lot of complicated things, but you kept <laughs> on going. Yeah, I sure did. I um I I kind of thought to myself, you know, if I if I knew what it was like to sit in a completely different career and be able to do something even though it wasn't my passion and I did it well, I should at least give myself the opportunity to fall flat on my face and and not give up for as long as possible, you know, to see if I can can do the thing that I've always wanted to do. Um and you know, I'm a big risk taker. I'm a big, you know, take a chance on yourself. And it might not work out the way that you thought it would, but you will never regret taking a chance on yourself. 
and you didn't. And on December 12th, Jessica Vosk is going to come to Carnegie Hall. She had actually been there in the past and performed Get Happy, a Judy Garland centennial celebration. So tell me where Judy Garland came from in your um, head. Well, you know, I, I like you said, I, I made my Carnegie Hall solo debut last year, and it was it was kind of beyond my wildest dreams and we sold out Stern Hall and, and it was, it was this phenomenal moment. And then I was very lucky to be approached by uh, a group called fifth season um, who work with a group called black ink productions. And they're very, very well-known team for bringing uh, video clips to life with live orchestra. And they had not worked with a live performer uh, before in this capacity. And they said, you know, Judy Garland's centennial year is coming up and we would love to put a production together of, you know, from Judy's estate, these video clips of the Judy Garland show, but to have you honor and, and pay tribute to Judy by singing her songbook. So they and picked you out. Yeah. Yeah. It was a really, it was a really fantastic call to get, to be honest with you, because, um, you know, when you grow up, most people know Judy Garland from The Wizard of Oz, and most people have this uh, this view of, of Judy in that, you know, ruby red slippers, you know, that right. was, that's, that's how she has been remembered. But she, she led a really amazing, colorful, complex life. And, you know, we lost her far Young. too soon. And, and, you know, her Carnegie Hall live show happened at age 39. I turned 39 this year, so it's no, you know, these 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 happenstances, you know, I always think uh -huh. there's a reason for them. So it's, it's kind of an amazing thing to, to be able to grace the stage and pay tribute to this woman whose work, I think, remains just as alive now as it did when she was still with us. Right. And, and then very few people lit the path for Garland. She did it herself. And that is a lonely experience. You know, I, I think... I think especially for women in in this great business of show, uh, there have been a lot of strides made due in part to people like Judy Garland. Um, you know, she's one of these women who had her own show in a time where where women like her didn't have their own show and people didn't take chances or risks. And she she did. And she she was this enigma you know, to people watching her on screen and having, you know, other guests of hers come on or Frank Sinatra or Dean Martin or Tony Bennett, you know, as these, as these, you know, little walk-on parts, but she was the boss. And it was, it was a really beautiful thing to see. I've learned so much in watching uh, her life unfold. I mean, she started at the age of three, which to me is, mm. is just unheard a, a, of. It's unheard of. And, and what she went through in this business, probably a lot of her experience was, you know, gone through alone. And I'm sure it was very lonely. And to, to pay tribute to a woman like her, who is responsible for why it is that I'm able to walk through the doors I am walking through right now. And to be able to, um, you know, to, to try and take my career by the reins, uh, you know, like a boss lady, like she was, is right. something that I don't take for granted. And, and I know, you know, I've I've now seen through her body of work and rehearsing this piece, the things that she must have gone through um, 
right, to get to where she got. J- Judy Garland had a lot of dark sides, but yes. it still didn't stop her. And you found something in spite of the demons that kept yeah. her going. Yeah, and I think, you know, a lot of times I think it's hard to to express how how difficult someone's life could be without without trying to seem, you know, like you're like you're poo-pooing the life of someone, but in in reality I think I think the dark moments are also just as important as the brightest moments. And I think uh you know, I know that I have been through a lot in my life to get me to where I am today, and I think a lot of people uh relate to Judy Garland because of those dark moments. And it's, it's, it's watching someone be able to do the things that she did, even though, you know, I wish that she were still with us to this day because she uh, had so much more to sing and say, but I think people, I think she remains this, this light and this iconic being for people because she, she led a life that was not cookie cutter. And I think most right. of us don't lead cookie cutter lives, and it's nice to be able to relate to that somehow. Right, and a lot of people go through dark sides and yes. can survive them to go yes. on to the next. And uh, her children have that spirit. Liza, you know, forges ahead. It's Absolutely. A, the- Absolutely. I think there's a, you know, it's it's nice to know that you're not alone despite going through some really, really tough moments, you know, that that there is there is life on the other side if you can you know if you can hold on right you have to be able to hold on and you'll be able to see this Carnegie Hall get happy a Judy Garland centennial celebration it's with Jessica Vosk of course on Monday December 12th so are you all ready to uh, to go or you're still in the heavy duty rehearsal period? Oh, we are in heavy duty. Yeah, we I I in fact after this call I go into rehearsal for most of the night and um you know, but the the great thing is that we're really tailoring this show to the fact that it is Carnegie Hall and it's it is this hallowed ground where where Judy was you know, where she was and where she really made people kind of light up and feel like they were in her living room. And I think that's, that is something to be savored. And I think it was a triumph for her. And I want, you know, I want to be able to pay tribute to her in a really beautiful way where, um, where it is, it's, it's like coming home to Carnegie Hall. So I'm, I'm so excited. Well, we're excited for you. And when you think that Judy Garland, because as you pointed out, she was three when she started. So by the time she got to Carnegie Hall, she had been working for almost 40 years. Hard to believe. Incredible. It's, it's, a, it's an incredible testament to somebody's tenacity in, in a business that, that can chew you up and spit you out at any moment. Um, it, it's really incredible. What, what, a, what a fierce woman. Well, and Jessica is right at home up there on the Carnegie stage and Jessica Vosk, who has traveled all over with her um, show and her solo show, this is definitely something that you're going to want to see. And what's better than Carnegie Hall? It always makes oh. me feel, I know, it's, it, so many things have changed in this city. And especially, yeah, right, right, in the entertainment world, when I was coming of age, 
you would go to all these different clubs and and even the hotels had things. It was music everywhere mm. and acts. And then we went through a lot of changes. So when we can have events like this, it's something very special. And it's a celebration of one of the greats. And she deserves that celebration. So good oh, for you. Oh, you're absolutely right. Thank you so much. Thank you, honey, for joining us. And I look forward to talking to you again, Jessica Voss. Make sure... Monday, December 12th at 8 o'clock, you want to get your tickets, Carnegie Hall, get happy. And it's the Judy Garland Centennial Celebration. Take care of yourself. We'll talk again. so much. Bye-bye. I'm Joan Hamburg, and you're listening to WABC. The First Lady of New York Radio. This is Ask Joan. Is there a perfect gift? I can't even answer that, and I get that question all the time, but I will tell you something that I give a lot. I give a gift of a museum membership. It's a great gift. Everyone benefits from it. First of all, there isn't a museum that couldn't use financial help, and these institutions have such great benefits, and by the way, the giver of the membership gets a tax deduction. So a lot of perks. Almost every museum has it. The Met, it includes all the locations. And it's 110 per year for most of them. But you get free admission. It's wonderful. The Whitney, everyone loves to get the Whitney on Gensport Street in the city. Go to Whitney.org. You get unlimited express and free admission throughout the year. You get 50% off general admission tickets for your guests. It's a great deal. They have a wonderful shop, discounts up to 20%, good restaurants, 10% off. An individual membership is $90 tax deductible. A dual membership is $140. I love it. We like the Museum of Modern Art on West 53rd Street, MoMA, a terrific membership to get. And that 110 will give you free admission, $5 guest tickets, viewing opportunities, previews, everything. And they have a great film program and you get free entry. So there isn't a museum that doesn't have a wonderful membership. Look it up, look it out, do it. It's a gift that keeps giving. Anyway, enjoy, guys. I'm looking at the clock. We're coming up to the three o'clock. So there's lots more ahead right here on radio station WAVC. And I am Joan Hamburg.